Shalom, good evening. We are in the introduction of the Rambam, and we're dealing with the next generation of Chachamim. So, we are in the last two words of page Lamed Chet. The last two words of page Lamed Chet. Hillel v'Shamay. The famous Chachamim, Hillel and Shamay. Uve Dinam, on the top of page Lamed Chet, and there Batedin. Kibelu mishemaya v'avtanyon uve Dinam. They received the tradition the oral tradition from Shemaya and Avtalion, remember who were converts to Judaism, and their Bedin. Harav Kampach has a footnote, Chavtet, he tells you to look in Avot chapter 1, and then Talmud Yoma Lamed Hei Amud Bed 35b, Maase di Hillel Look at the story of Hillel on the snowy day. Let's look these things up together, why don't we? I wanted to start us off in the writings of Rabbi Yosef Masas. So Rabbi Yosef Masas, if you open up the PDF that is attached to the Zoom invitation, you will see about Hillel Hazaken. Do you see that? It should be the second page of your PDF. And let me tell you right now that if I wanted to teach a series of shiurim on Hillel and Shammai and their leadership and their lessons and their life, I'm not exaggerating right now. I could very easily put together a six or eight week course on the life of Hillel and Shammai. This is a turning point in the Jewish people. There's a reason why Hillel is compared by later, later generations to none other than Ezra HaSofer, Ezra the scribe, for the reason that he changed or perhaps innovated in Judaism in such a way that we're still here today, the way Ezra did for us in his generation. The type of Jewish leaders I was referring to before the Shiul started are of the caliber of Hillel and Shammai. Rabbi Yosef Masas says the following. Well, first the Mishnah on top. Hillel and Shammai received an oral tradition from who? From Shemayan Avtayon. Thank you, Baruch. Heveh mitalmidav shel Aharon. You should be from the students of Aharon HaKohen, the brother of Moshe Rabbeinu. Ohev shalom, you should love peace. Ve'odev shalom and pursue peace. Ohev et beriot, love HaKadosh Baruch's creations. People. Umekarvan la-Torah and bring them close to the Torah. Love peace, pursue peace. Love people, and because of that love, Bring them close to the Torah. Rabbi Yosef Masas writes the following: Morai v'rabotai, ani terem adaber. Before I speak, beferush amamar, the explanation of this teaching. Odia livnei haadam givurotav shen haish haelohi hazeh. I wish to show you the greatness of this divine man. Vehu and he is Hillel. Hillel, who was he? From his father's side, he was from the tribe of Binyamin. Imon, from his mother's side, He was a descendant of King David. Who was born to him 
from his wife Avital. You remember, I'm sure, this uh, in the Tanakh. Shem Aviv Shimon. The name of his father was Shimon. Ushem Zekeno Binyamin. And his grandfather's name was Binyamin. Huvehu Uvno Shimon. And he and his son Shimon, Vnechdav Hidel Veshevna, Barchumi Yerushalayim. They fled from Jerusalem, Lebavel, to Babylon, Bimei Yanai HaMelech, in the days of King Yanai. Remember what Yanai was doing at the time to the Chachamim? We learned about him. He was killing the Chachamim. And already there was war also from the Arabs and the Pelishtim. And Hillel went down to Babel to study Torah. And he studied all wisdoms and all sciences. That's what he went to Babel to study. He studied out of poverty and immense pressure. It was not a comfortable life for him. And when he heard that the land of Israel had become quiet once again, and the two great lights, the luminaries, and they came, the ones who were lighting up the whole world, with their wisdom and their awe and their holiness, he left Babel, and he goes back to Jerusalem. Who Him and his wife. In order to learn Torah from Shemaya and Aftarion. But, when he finally makes it back to Eretz Israel. He found that there were two obstacles in his way. He had left Babel. He had left the Torah he was studying. He had left everything to come back to Eretz Israel to learn Torah from these two great sages. But two things got in his way. Aleph, the first one, He could not find a way to make a living in Eretz Israel. So he then leaves Babel. He comes to Israel and he's not able to make money. Bet, the second, Shemaya v'avtalion Kavu Shomer Beshar Bet Midrash. Shemayan Aftalion had appointed a guard at the entrance of the Bet Midrash. A bouncer. You know what a bouncer is? He lets certain people in and bounces certain people out. Why? The reason was Shemayan Aftalion had a guard to keep away the Tzedokim, the Sadducees, from coming into the Bet Midrash. Why not teach Tzedokim Torah? Maybe you'll teach him Torah, and I'll do Teshuvah. Why not? Why were they coming? To learn? They weren't coming to learn. They were wasting the time of Shema Naftalion by asking all kinds of questions that were intended to bother, disturb the Bermidrash. They came as troublemakers. Today they call them hecklers. They came to heckle Shemayan Aftalion. So how did Shemayan Aftalion deal with the problem? They put a guard in the entrance of the Benamidash to keep these tzedokim out. By the way, I'm not embarrassed to tell you, 
half the reason we're so selective about who comes to learn here and pray here and Kilach Shamayim and Shiviti in general, why you have to first email us before you join a Google classroom or anything like that, is for the same reason. There are a lot of people who email me that want to be part of this shiur. But not every heckler is supposed to be here. Baruch Hashem, YouTube is full of videos. They want to watch, they can watch. The people that we let here are those people that we trust. Are we allowed to do that? Of course. Of course. V'ulam, the problem was, Hashomer lo shamar The guard was a problematic guard. The guard that they hired was a corrupt individual. He didn't even let the Pharisees, the Perushim, come into the Beri Midrash. Unless, unless people paid money to bribe him to get in. So Shemaya and Aftalion are sitting inside, and they put a guard, just make sure the troublemakers don't come in. And this guard says, they don't come to check me. I'll make sure that I, I'll let whoever pays me come in. You pay me enough money, I'll let you in. You don't pay me money, I'm not letting you in. By the way, you know how many times this happens in the real world? By a big chachamim you've heard of? The chacham may be a great sage, but is surrounded and controlled by people who decide who goes in and who goes out. What comes out of the rabbi's mouth to the public and what does not. Don't live under the illusion that everything in the world is roses. This is an old problem. Yeah, still nothing changed. Don't say was. It is. Well, until today. This story, I'm going to pause it right here, and we're going to pick it up, not in the writings of Rabbi Yosef Masas. We're going to pick up the story in the writings of Hacham of Yosef. So open with me the next PDF. It's in the same PDF, I'm sorry. And just go a few pages later, where you see... Where you see Anaf Etzavot, do you see that? Just tell me what's the page number at the top? In Hebrew numbers? Okay, five and... Mem Aleph, perfect, I found it. Mem Aleph, so you see where it says Mem Aleph in the top right of the page? The top left of the page? The top left, so what page is in the PDF is that? Page six in your PDF. Page six. And in the right column, in the middle, it says, Hilel v'shamay kiblu mihen. Chacham Obadiah says the following story, based off of the Talmud and Masechet Yoma, which is what Harav Kapach wanted us to look up in the first place. Amru alav al-Hilel zaken. They say about Hilel zaken. Shebechol yom v'yom, that every single day, hayahoseg v'imlacha, that he would work, he would go to work. Umistacher bit, I don't know how to pronounce the word, tarpik. He made a certain little wage. Says parentheses, It was a coin, the weight of half a silver dinar. The Rambam explains that the amount of money he would make was half of a, a coin, a silver coin that they made every day. Half of this coin he would pay to bribe the guard at the entrance of the Bet Midrash. And the other half, he would keep to pay his bills, to feed his children, to take care of his family. So he worked every day. He got half a coin. This half a coin he split between the guard and his family. 
Pamachat, once it happened, lo matzali istacher, he could not find a job. What does sachar mean? It's, it's a, you know when you go to Home Depot and you have people waiting to get hired? That's what Hillel's job was. Hillel would wait in a place. Whoever hired him, hired him. If he got a job, he got a job. Didn't get a job, he's broke. That's how he lived. What's it called? A journeyman? He couldn't find a job. And therefore the guard of the Bet Midrash didn't allow him to enter. So what did he do? He went and climbed onto the roof of the Bet Midrash. And in the ceiling of the Bet Midrash they had a skylight. Why do they have a skylight? What is it? a big window. What? Yeah, because you don't have light bulbs. So what they did is in, in the ceiling, they built gl- glass, I'm assuming, uh, ceilings, and people were on top or whatever they had, and, and that would give light inside. And he went up there in order to hear the words of Torah of Shemayin of Tanyon. Amru, our rabbis told us, That day was Friday. And it was Tevet. When does Tevet fall out of the calendar? Winter time. And it started snowing. It started snowing. And he was so busy listening, the snow covered him, and he froze. He was stuck there under snow in the skylight. The next morning, Shabbat morning, when the dawn rises, Amar lo Shemaya Aftalion, Shemaya turns to Aftalion, and he says, Aftalion Achi, my brother Aftalion, Why every day there's light in the Bet Midrash, and today it's dark? What happened today? What's today different than yesterday? Is it a cloudy day outside? And they look up, they looked up, and they see, the image of a person, the outline of a person up there. They went up, and they found three amot of snow piled up on top of this person. They immediately scooped the snow off of him, and they got hot water, and they bathed him in hot water. And they smeared ointment on him. And they put him in a chair opposite the fire. Until he regained consciousness. How do you get on Shabbat hot water and have a fire in the Bet Midrash? How do you get all those things? Smearing ointments. You let us smear ointment on Shabbat. To save a life. They, they broke Shabbat to save his life. And they said about him, This man who went onto the roof to learn Torah, is worthy to desecrate Shabbat for him. Hey, what's the logic? Why do we break Shabbat to save a life? What's the logic behind it? What are Chachamim tell us? Because he loves Torah. Say violate one Shabbat to save his life, so that he will observe many more Shabbatot. And break one, he'll keep the rest. It's a very good question about people. Okay, I didn't think of it. This 
is exactly what happens to Hillel. Hillel is up there. He's willing um, to sacrifice his life. Um, but he didn't intend to. That wasn't the point of his story. But he was so dedicated, he climbed onto the ceiling to learn Torah because he could not afford the entry ticket to get into the Beit HaMidash. Shanu Rabotenu, on the top left column. Our rabbis taught us. Pamachat, one day. The reason for the next story is to tell you how a man who is too poor to get into the Beit HaMidash becomes the greatest, greatest sage of the Jewish people. How did that happen? How did he jump from the lowest rung of society to the top of the world? How did he do it? Shanu Rabotenu, our rabbis taught. Pamachat, one time. Chal Arba Asar Benisan. Liot b'Shabbat, the eve of Pesach fell out on Shabbat. It happens to you sometimes. We had this last year, yeah. right? The fourteenth of Nisan fell out on a on a Saturday. So this is already once Hillel comes back to the land of Israel. The princes, the leadership of Eretz Israel, the Bnei Betera, they're called. They forgot the halacha. Velo yadeu ima Pesach dochet Shabbat imlav. They did not recall. It happens every year that Pesach falls out on Saturday night? No, it happens every once in a while. They could not remember. They could not remember whether the Pesach offering, the sacrifice, you break Shabbat to slaughter the animal or you don't. What do you do? Which one? Does it push off Shabbat or not? They couldn't remember. Amun, they said, Is there anybody here? Who knows whether or not Pesach pushes off Shabbat or not? This is a real issue. How are they going to act? How are, are they going to bring a sacrifice to there? They're not. They don't remember the halachot. What about the Shulchan Aruch? There's no Shulchan Aruch. What about the Rambam? There's no Rambam. What about the Talmud? There's no Talmud. So you forget halachot. Abu Lahem, they tell them, Adam Echad Yesh Alami Bavel. There is one Jew who came here from Babel, from Babylon. And we refer to him as Hillel the Babylonian. What do we call him? Hillel Hazaken, Hillel the Elder. But here he wasn't yet the Elder, he was just Hillel the Babylonian. He had served, meaning he'd studied Torah intimately from two of the giants of the generation, Shemaya Avtadion. And surely he knows whether the Pesach pushes off Shabbat or not. Surely he knows the halakha. So they call for him. Come, come to the Beit Adin. We need to hear. They told him, Do you know whether or not Pesach offering pushes off Shabbat or not? He tells them, what do we only have one Pesach during the year that pushes off Shabbat? We celebrate Pesach 200 times during the year that they push off Shabbat. Chacham Obadiah explains in parentheses. Komar, meaning... Korbanot temidim u'musafim, the tamid offering and the musaf offering, shebemeshech kol shabbatot hashana, that throughout the shabbatot of the year, the different shabbat, every shabbat you offer these two sacrifices, dochim et shabbat, they push off shabbat, vehem lemalam imataim korbanot, and there are more than two hundred sacrifices, vehu hadin le korban pesach, 
And surely if those sacrifices you offer on Shabbat, you can kill an animal and violate the Shabbat, for sure you can do the same thing for Pesach, what happens once a year. Meaning, what's he telling them? Why is this sacrifice any different than what you do every Shabbat when you slaughter animals and offer them in the Mizbeh? Their whole question, are you allowed to sacrifice things on Shabbat? They say, you do that every Shabbat. What are you asking me this question for? What? Even the fire, how do they keep the fire running, right? That The whole Ben Mikdash operates on a different wavelength. Yes? Amrulo, they told him, How do you know Shalomdim Korban Pesach Mikorbanot who taught you, from where do you know that you can compare the public sacrifices that we offer on Shabbat to the Korban Pesach? Amar lahem, he told them, Zenilmad mi gezerah shava. This is learned from a gezerah shava. What is a gezerah shava? It's when you compare two words from Pesukim and you learn a halakha from one place to another, correct? That's one of the 13 that's one of the 13 ways in which the Torah is, is studied. We say that every day in the morning, right? Rabbi Ishmael teaches us 13 things. Neymar b'mo'ado b'pesach. It says, b'mo'ado, on its holiday in Pesach. Neymar b'mo'ado b'tamid. And the sacrifice of the tamid, it also says b'mo'ado. Ma'mo'ado hamu b'tamid uchet shabbat Just like the mo'ado by the tamid offering pushes off the Shabbat. The Mo'ado by the Koban Pesach teaches us that you violate Shabbat in order to offer the Pesach offering. The old Kalvachomer says, Hilel uh, Hazaken, there's also another way. Remember the 13 ways? One of them is called Kalvachomer. What is Kalvachomer? You from something hard to something easy. From something easy to something hard. It's another one of the 13 ways, meaning if in an easier halakha it's permissible, then how much more so in a more severe situation? Yes? Watch he's going to say. Umat tamid, just like the tamid offering, she'en alav onesh karet, that does not carry with it the karet consequence like Pesach does. Dochet ha-Shabbat, but still pushes off Shabbat. Pesach she'esh alav onesh karet, eno din she'dochet ha-Shabbat, how much more so Pesach, which if you don't bring the Pesach offering, then you are guilty of a karet, liable for karet, not you, somebody. So how much more so that the tamid, if you can offer it on Shabbat, then for sure Pesach you can offer on Shabbat. Miyad, immediately, hoshivuhu barosh, they placed him at the head of the Beladin. Uminuhu nasi alehem, and they appointed Hilal Habavli to Hilal Hanasi, Hilal the Prince. They appointed him to the leader of the Jewish people. And he spent the whole entire day teaching them the laws of Pesach. He began to mock them. In the middle of teaching, he started making fun of them. They had just made him their rule, meaning they were clearly humble enough to realize he knew more than them, and so they placed him at the head. He began mocking them. Amar lehem, he said, Mi garam lachem she'elem yibavel v'yeh nesi alechem. Tell me, what happened? What did you guys do that made me leave Israel, uh, Bavel, and come to Israel and rule over you, become the prince over you? Meaning, what did you guys do wrong? You lost your position to me. Atzlut she'ayta bachem. Your laziness caused this to happen. 
שלא שימשתם בשני גדולי הדור. That you did not go and do shimush, you didn't serve, you didn't study by the two giants of the generation, שמאיה ואבטדיון. שהיו יושבים אצלכם, they used to live here. שהרי קיבלו מיהודה בן טבעי ושמעון בן שטח, and they learned from שמעון בן שטח, יהודה בן טבעי, meaning you missed an opportunity to study from the giants of the generation. Tell me most likely why they didn't study from שמאיה ואבטדיון. Shema and Aftayon were converts to Judaism. Do you remember this? And last time we had the shiur, we mentioned that there was an attitude of, who are you guys that you should lead us? And he says, look, your laziness, your arrogance almost, is what caused you not to learn Torah from them. And I wasn't like you, so I went to learn Torah from them, and now I'm the prince, and you guys are sitting there listening to me. The, this story happens in Eretz Yisrael. It comes to Eretz to learn from them. Yeah. So now, because Hillel began making fun of them, HaKadosh Baruch caused that he should forget the halakha that he was teaching. You can't make fun of Am Yisrael. You're right. Hillel's right. But don't. It's not the proper way for a teacher to mock his students. Do you know how a parrot, every time somebody asks a question, and I'll tell you, I've sat by Hara Peretz in person the years I was in Israel, and now it's more, I'm double the amount of time outside of Israel, still learning from him, and in Shiurim every week. On the phone with him, last night I just got off the phone with him. Every time somebody asks Hara Peretz a question, I'll tell you, there are some very stupid people who ask him some very stupid questions. What do I mean? I'm not making fun of them. But they come to a class, it's like walking into a, a calculus class in university and asking how to do two plus two. And what our parents tells them? You ask a good question. Let me give you an answer to your question. The way of a teacher is not to make fun of, everyone can make fun of somebody. Your job as a teacher is to grab the student and to build them up. Do you know how many of us when we came to our parents and we still didn't know how to do two plus two and we left there being able to do the most complicated things in the world? Because he built us up. He made a mistake. And HaKadosh Baruch caused that he should forget the halakha. Amrulo, they asked him, Rabbi, Shachach v'lo hevi sakin me'erav Shabbat mahu. What happens to a person who didn't bring a knife to slaughter his Pesach offering? He forgot to bring it to the Bed Migdash before Shabbat. Now with Shabbat, what does he do? Are you allowed to carry on Shabbat? Rabotai, all of these things about Eruvin that you've heard about, yes. there are hundreds of cases in the Talmud which deal with carrying on Shabbat. That if our rabbis knew about your strings and poles, they would have said, oh, just build an Eruv and carry on Shabbat. If you really want to learn the laws of Eruvin, most likely the next thing that will happen to you is you will never carry an Eruv on Shabbat. Because this idea was unknown to our Chachamim in the Talmud. Never heard of it. But not for right now, not in the shield. But Rabbi, a person who doesn't bring the knife on Erev Shabbat, what does he do? Can he carry a knife on Shabbat? Amar lahem, Hidal tells them, Halakha zo shamati, I heard this halakha from Shema'an Aftarion, meaning they taught me this halakha, vishachachti, and I forgot this halakha. All of a sudden, he's the one who doesn't remember a halakha. Ella, rather, what did he say? Hanach Israel. 
trust the Jewish people. On the top of the next page. If they are not prophets, they are the children of prophets. This sentence comes up so much in rabbinic literature. You see Jewish people doing something. Don't, don't take lightly what you see Amisal do. By the way, I'm going to tell you now. Who's saying this? Hilal Zakin. Sometimes I see what I call a midam miguna. It's a, it's a poor character trait. On behalf of those who begin learning Torah, it's a new journey. Whether it's because they weren't born Jewish or because they were born Jewish, but learning Torah is a new journey for them. And the first thing they like to do is they have a thousand critiques, seemingly, on everything that Jewish people do. The Chachamim, they're all wrong. And the Shulchan Aruch is wrong. And the Ramdam doesn't know what he's talking about. And didn't hear Bishamon Baruchai learn Tanakh before. And there are all kinds of questions. First thing you have to say, the Jewish people, if they are not prophets themselves, they are the children of prophets. You want to join? A little bit of hum- humility in the beginning will not hurt you. Yes, there are things wrong with Am Yisrael. You definitely are going to find them. But the first thing you have to do is to know that Am Yisrael, most of what they do is the correct way that we do it. We've been doing this for a very long time. Our parents who were prophets, who were kings, who were Levi'im, who were Kohanim, they taught us this. And you're going to be like that also. But just give yourself a little bit of time to learn. It's okay to learn a little bit. Before you talk, learn. Siag lechuchmah, shtika. What did Rabbi say? Uh, you want to gain wisdom? Just be quiet. First be quiet, listen, learn, absorb, then start asking all the good questions. But first, listen. Hillel tells them, I don't know the halakha. But the Jewish people, they for sure know the halakha because they're the children of prophets. Go see what they do. Somebody who has a tale, what is a tale? He's a sheep, yeah? Someone is offering a sheep, what do they do? They take the knife and they twist it into his wool. You ever seen a sheep that needs to be sheared? You ever seen it before? It's sick, it's like, um, like some people at the end of Sefirata Omer. That's what it looks like, it needs a, it needs a shave, this one. Yeah, so you twist the knife, and it doesn't hurt the animal, the, it hurts him, no. You put it inside of his uh, wool and you twist it, and the animal carries the knife to the Beit HaMikdash. Misha Pishol Gdi, Somebody who is Pesach offering is a Gdi. What is a Gdi? We've got to get our farm animals. A goat. a goat, very good. A goat, what do they do with him? Haya Koshoa ben Kanav. He would take his keren. What is a keren? His horn? He would tie it in between his horns. So he would carry it on his horns to the Ben Bigdash. Hillel observed all the Jewish people putting the knives in the wool or on the horns of the animal and he remembered the halakha and he told his students this, this what the Jewish people are doing this is the halakha that I remember learning Hillel was given a little bit of an adjustment a little bit of hey, don't be too haughty you also need to learn something from Am Yisrael Yes, they didn't know the first halakha, that's why they appointed you as the leader, but it's okay for you to also remember you don't know everything, and they're going to remind you of halakha. So far, we've seen a few things about Hillel as a kid. We've seen his dedication to Limut Torah, his willingness to go onto the rooftop, his willingness to stay there under the snow to learn Torah. It's worthy to break Shabbat for this Hillel. 
We see Hillel who was willing to go learn Torah from Shema Naftalion when nobody else was. And because of that, when he comes back to Eretz Israel, he goes from being a poor man to being the leader of the Jewish people because of his diligence in learning Torah. And then we see Hillel here being humble. Hillel being able to say, I knew this halakha, but I forgot this halakha. Do you know how many people make this mistake that you ask them a question? And instead of telling you, let me think about it, let me look into it, let me refresh my memory about this question. Let me go ask an expert who knows something about Instead of doing that, they throw off some answer that is for sure wrong. At the very least, they come off as foolish later when you discover they were making things up. Or they're dangerous because they're telling you things that are inaccurate. I've always appreciated a chacham who can tell me, I don't know the answer to this question. Let me get back to you. Let me think about it. The people who know the answer to everything. I saw a quote today. I don't remember why I saw it. That uh, wise people, they tell you they don't have the answer to everything. Intelligent people tell you they don't have the answer now, but they're going to look into it. And stupid people, they have the answer to everything. Something, something along these lines. It was attributed to Socrates, but I don't, I don't know that Socrates actually said it. Uh, my, my belief in things I see on the internet, my favorite quote on the internet says, it's a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said that you should not believe everything that you see on Facebook. And so uh, this... You have to be careful. Sometimes you see things, you know, it can be that that's what it is for sure. You know, Harvard comes out with a study that you're supposed to eat three pounds of sugar a day. Please. You know, sometimes you should learn how to research things before you believe the things you read on the internet. Okay, this is one of those things. Shanu Rabotenu. Our rabbis taught us another. Maaseh b'shnei b'nei adam. There's a story about two people. Shita'avu b'nehem. That they made a bet. You know, they were betting each other. You know what that is? You shouldn't bet with anybody ever, anything. One time in my life, actually it's happened many times, but it's the same bet. Haraperetz has only one bet. One bet, every time he teaches the halachot of basar b'chalav and ta'aruvot, he bets the Talmudim something. He says, if you can go bring me a stainless steel knife that you cut boiling hot meat with, and then you clean it with water and soap, and then you go cut an onion or a radish with it. And the onion or the radish tastes like the meat that you cut from before. He says, then I will give you a hundred shekels. And I always up the stakes. If you can find me that knife, I will give you a hundred dollars. You won't find it. Your knife does not become bisari because you cut meat with it. In your fantasy, maybe. But in reality, absolutely not. You want to argue? Try. I'm giving you a... a you want to make a hundred bucks? Go make a hundred bucks. Go take a knife, a stainless steel knife, cut a boiling hot piece of meat with it, right off the barbecue. And then wash it with soap and water. Well, wash it like you wash your dishes. And then go and cut an onion. Oh, what do they tell you a sharp thing is? A garlic, uh, whatever you're going to cut. And then eat it. And if you can taste the meat inside of that onion, I'll give you a hundred dollars. Are they going to lie? Of course, nobody's going to lie. Nobody here lies. Banim ladonai lo yishakevu. The children of HaKadosh Baruch don't lie. Shanu Rabotenu, our rabbis taught us. Ma'aseh b'shnei b'nei adam. There were two men. Sh'itangvu b'nehem. They made a bet between each other. V'amun, they said, Kol mishelech v'yaknit et hilel. Whoever can go and make hilel upset, yitol arba me'od zuz. They will get 400 zuz. Significant amount of money. Amar echad mehem. One of the, if I could just put it for you. 
200 zoos is how much you get married with. So 400 zoos is double a ketubah. It's a significant amount of money, whatever it is. Amar Echad Mihem, one of them says, Ani Akniteno, I'm going to go make here on that, don't you worry. Oto Hayom Erev Shabbat Haya, it was Friday that day. Vihilel Chofefet Roshon, Hilel was shampooing his head, meaning he was bathing. Notice how many stories happened to Hilel on Erev Shabbat and Erev Pesach. It's like all of his stories are happening on the eve of, uh, must be a reason for this. Halach Aishahu Vahavar Al Petach Beto. This man went and he walked by the front door of Hillel's home. Amar, and he says, Mikan Hillel, Mikan Hillel, is Hillel home? Is Hillel home? Nitatef, Hillel heard someone calling his name, so he got out of the bath, he wrapped himself up in his robe, and he came out to greet him. Amar, he says, Bni, mata mevakesh, my son, what do you want? Amar, I have a question to ask you. Amar, ask me, my son, ask me. Meaning, you're now in a bath. Someone is coming to bother you in your bath. It must be important. He gets up, he gets dressed. Imagine how much you have to get dressed to get a shower. You open the front door, you go outside, you meet somebody, you don't know him. How can I help you? I have a very important question for you, Rabbi. He says, what's the question? Why are the heads, the skulls of the Babylonians out of shape? Why are they uh, in an odd-looking shape? Misshapen. Amarlo, he tells him, Bni, Shela Gedola Shalta, you asked a very important question. Mipne, Shenehem Chayot Pekachot. Kshmial Dototam, Pekachot. Kshmial Dototam, Nogot Berosham Harach, Venasa Rosham Segalgal. The midwives of Bavel, they're not so well trained in the art of midwifery. And when they give birth to these children, they hold the head the wrong way and they misshape the head. And because of that, you see that all of their heads look the way they look. This man leaves Hillel alone for another hour. Another hour doesn't mean an hour. It means he leaves him for enough time that Hillel can get back into his bath. He waits. How much time does it take for you to get back to your bath? You have to close the front door. You have to go into your room. You have to take off your clothes. You have to go make sure the water is warm again. You go back. Fine, now he's back in his bath. Chazar v'amar, he comes back. Mikan Hillel, Mikan Hillel, is Hillel home? Is Hillel home? The same guy. Nitatef, he dresses himself again. V'yatzali kratoni comes out to him. Amar lo, b'ni, matam v'kesh, my son, what do you need? Amar lo, he says, Shela yesh li lishol, I have a very important question I need to ask you. Amar lo, sh'al b'ni, sh'al, ask me, my son, ask me. Why are the eyes of the Tarmudim? Tarmudim is a nation that essentially made up most of what is today Egypt, Israel, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon. It was a very short breakaway from the Roman Empire, if I, if I remember my history correctly. Why are their eyes... They're, they're very moist and, and they look sick a little bit. They're soft and sickly looking. That's a very important question you asked me on Erev Shabbat in the middle of my shower. Because these people, they live among the sand dunes. You know where the sand flies in there. And all day the sand gets in their eyes. 
וגורם להם מחלות עיניים, and because of that they have all kinds of diseases from the sand that infects their eyes. הלך, the guy said a good answer, והמתין שעה אחת, and he waited again for Hillel to get back into his bath. חזר ואמר, אסור לסילג הפה ומכיר את הזבטם, the man came back outside, אחרי נתנאי יש איזה גוד נאי תקום תקולם. מי כאן הלל? מי כאן הלל? Is הלל here? Is הלל here? נתעטף, הלל got dressed, ויצא לקראתו, and he comes out to him, אמר לו, he says, בני, מה אתה מבקש? My son, what do you need to know? אמר לו, שאלה יש לי לשאול, I have a question, I ask you. אמר לו, שאל, בני, שאל. Ask me, my son, ask me. מפני מה רגליהם של אפריקאים רחבות? Now, the original Gemara, by the way, does not seem to say Afrikaim. This may be a commentary. The original Gemara seems to be talking about a people from a nation near Turkey. Near Turkey. But this people, whatever Chalmudah is translating, why is it that in this place where people come from, their feet are wide? Amar lo, he says, Beni, my son, Shela gedola sha'alta. You've asked a very important question. Because they live in a very swampy place. And they walk barefoot. Because they don't wear shoes to hold their feet together. The land is not firm. Their feet, they spread out. And that's why their feet look the way they look. The man looks at Hillel and he says, I have so many questions to ask you, Hillel. I would ask them all, but I'm just afraid that maybe you're going to get angry at me. Hillel got dressed more formally, and he sat, pulled up a chair next to him, and he says, Amarlo, he tells him, the top left column, Any question you want to ask me, my son, ask me. I have all day for you. This is Friday afternoon. This is right before Shabbat. The house is flying, the pots need to be cooking, the home needs to be clean, the Berakhanesa needs to get ready, I don't know, your toilet paper has to be pre-cut, all the things that people do, all the light switches, whatever you guys do in your houses. And Hillel is busy sitting outside talking to this guy about people whose eyes are sick, and people, he says, any question you want, my son, ask me. Amarle says, I have one question. Atahu Hillel? Are you Hillel? And are you sure that you're the Hillel that they call Hillel, the Prince of Israel? Are you, is that you? He said, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm the guy. At which point in the story would you have slapped this guy across the face and filed for a restraining order? He tells him, if you are really Hillel, the prince of the Jewish people, I pray to God, there should be no more like you in the Jewish people. After so much time he gives you, the patience he has with you, you curse him that no more Jews in the world should be like him? He says, my son, what did I do? Why are you so, why would you say such a thing? He says, because of you, Mr. Hillel Hanasi, I have lost 400 zoos. I lost a serious amount of money because of you. Hillel tells him, Keep your mood in check, young man. Don't, don't act like that. It's worth it for Hillel. 
שתאבד על ידו 400 זוז, ו-400 זוז, והלל לא יקפיד. It's worth it that you should lose 400 זוז, and you should lose another 400 זוז, and הלל will never get upset. It's worth that you should lose money, and I should never get upset. From here you see a leadership quality of הלל. הלל's patience was almost to the point of, of disturbing. He was so patient. And this is what lets him lead a Jewish people. You're living in a generation, we, the rebellion of King Herod that is happening now in this time period. The, the world is going crazy. And Hillel, no matter what is happening around him, keeps a clear mind. Everything is cool. Everything is calm. He's in control. And it's better that you should lose all your money and he should never get upset. I have more to tell you, but he let us again. I don't want to rush anything. I would like to spend time on these next three stories properly. Well, you have, do I have your permission to teach them to you next week? Yes, it's okay if we keep them. I don't want to run through them and spend time here. For right now, before I leave you, our Chachamim are painting a picture of Hillel as a leader who becomes a leader. Do you remember one of the last things we studied by Shemayan Aftalion? Was Akaviyabim Halel. He tells his son. His son says, Father, put in a good word for me among your colleagues so they should appoint me to be a rabbi when you die. Remember this teaching? And what does he tell him? What does the father tell him? What? You have to earn it. Yeah, you have to earn it. Your actions are going to determine whether you come close, and your actions will determine whether you are pushed away. I am not going to speak for you. You have to prove yourself. Here in this generation comes a leader who proved himself. This is a story of from ashes to greatness. This is a story of a man who didn't grow up. Yes, he comes from a very important family. That is true. But his choice of studying Torah caused him to be poor. How poor? We know, and this is a story for another time, that Hillel has a brother. A brother who was one of the wealthiest people in the Jewish people at the time. Who refuses to support Hillel Hazakim. And there are different conversations among our rabbis why he doesn't support him. The more malicious, because he didn't believe in a person who spends his life studying Torah. Other versions of the Talmud mention that Hillel's brother was a tzaddik, was a righteous man. So I say the reason why his brother didn't support him financially was because he wanted to make sure that Hillel would receive all the reward of studying Torah. You must love friends like that. But you know, well, we want to see you starve to death to learn Torah because it's good for you. It's good for you. Pele Yoetz writes that if a person has a brother who's a Tamichacham, that your halachika, if I have a brother who's before I give tzedakah to anybody else, my obligation is to give tzedakah to this person. If, if I have a child who's tamichacham, my obligation is to support this child. They're not talking about, I'm not talking here about kol lives, I'm not talking about that. Tamichacham, what is tamichacham? Somebody who's working, he's a rabbi in Kila, he's a dayan in a bedin, he's a teacher in a school, he, he has a job, he's making money, but he needs help. Our obligation is to help them more than what they already have, that's our job. Hillel Zaken's brother didn't want to help him. Didn't help him, for whatever reason. So Hillel maybe even grew up wealthy. And he gives up all of that to learn Torah. And it comes to the place 
where all of the Jews of Eretz Israel do not remember a halakha, except for Hillel. Hillel remembers. Because unlike the other Jews, he went to go learn from people who converted to Judaism. He was willing to say those are the leaders of the generation. They studied from Rabbi Uda ben Tabai. They studied from Rabbi Shimon ben Shatach. And therefore, I'm going to study from them also. And because of that, he becomes the prince of the Jewish people. Then even when he becomes the prince of the Jewish people, and he slips up, and he makes a mistake, and he makes fun of people, he immediately learns his lesson. And you see from the next story how much patience he has with Am Yisrael. No matter what they ask him, no matter what they do to him, no matter what they say to him, his patience is infinite. It's worth it that you should lose 400 zoos and 400 zoos and Hillel should never get upset. Next week we're going to walk into the famous story of the Gerei Tzedek, the three righteous converts who convert to Judaism. And with Hillel and Shammai, we're going to begin discussing a little bit about the life of Shammai and who he was in context with Hillel as a kid. And then we're going to discuss how great the students of Hillel was and who he left behind to lead us into the next generation. But God willing, we'll do all of that next week. I look forward to seeing you then.